Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dungeon Deep Dive, uh, your favourite fantasy world building podcast. Next to me are the, my lovely co-hosts. Hello, I am Lachlan Hoy. Hi, it's me, Grace Shadell. And it's me, Tully Grimley. And we're here once again to talk about, to do a deep dive on a specific aspect of a fantasy world so that you can implement it better in your games. We talk about ways to make it more interesting, more informed and generally more fun. Yeah. Um, before we get into the thicker things, I uh, would like to acknowledge that we are recording on the Minjin lands of the Brisbane of the Turrbal and Yagara people, uh, what is referred to as, as Brisbane. Um, but these lands, sovereignty was never ceded, and these lands have always been places of teaching and learning and storytelling, and we plan to continue in that tradition. Um, and we'd like to pay our respects to elders, past, present, and emerging. Uh, if you are a member of those communities, uh, we would love to have you on the show and have your voices uh, heard. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, we'll cut straight to it. Today we're talking about Thieves Cant. Ooh, what's that, Tully? Uh, well, Thieves Cant is, if you've ever played a rogue, you get one. You get one. Okay. Okay. But th- like one per episode, right? Every episode? Guaranteed. No, you get one ever and then I execute you. I'm starting the rule now. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like a punch card hmm. at McDonald's. You get enough oohs and then you get beheaded. Yeah. yeah. Wait, 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 wait. So I get one more? You no. get one more and then oh. I will behead you, but that is for life. Your punch card is nearly full. So hold on. Will you automatically behead me if I use the one? Or is it if I go to use the second? So technically, is it like I have one and then I'm dead? Or do I have two? No, no, you have one, and then if you attempt the second, that's when you die. If you if you so much as make the ooh, then you're done for. All I need is a moment. You can never stop me. <laughs> you can take my life, but you can never take my ooh. <laughs> Fuck! I fucked up there. You even you even slowed down for me, hey. <laughs> Oh God! What? Yeah, what did just happen? Did uh, you just meet I, me? I, I know I hit isolate, so it was only you for a second. Oh, that's powerful. Anyway, so, so this show should be more like that. Anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! <laughs> I got done. Got muted. It's so, so if you've ever played a rogue, you will know that you get proficiency in what's called thieves' cant, which most of the time looks like, if you read the rule book, just another language. It looks like another language, but chiefly in it, you, it takes longer to communicate in Thieves' Cant. You must share a common language and there are written signs. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about 
what exactly it is, how you can portray it, and why it isn't just another language proficiency that you can translate. So, uh, well, do we want to start off with... Yeah, yeah, start off with, um, I believe Grace had some information on kind of like the, the, the closest, mm, relatively modern, at least, real-world equivalent, um, especially in terms of the, like, symbols that Thieves Can't use. Uh, it was the, if you will. I might. Um, it's hobo symbols. Yeah. Um, which I, I, did I didn't really know about before I was looking into them, but like they're super interesting, especially the whole sort of community of hobos, especially in America, it was like this language was most prevalent. Um, and like first up, hobo didn't mean then what it means now, I suppose. Mm. Uh, it was like a proper term for someone who was a migrant worker. So they didn't really have a fixed address. They just sort of move around, usually on the uh, the railways at the time, just sort of finding work where they could get it, um, which I guess is just the equivalent, like t- today's equivalent of just like short-term contract work. You rock up, you get your job, and you leave. Because hmm. um, wasn't, uh, didn't they call what we would now think of as a homeless person bums at the time? Wasn't it like yes. the, that, that was like the distinction between yeah. the two? Because then it, I think the two terms just got like merged. Yeah, well, you point. had, like, these were individual terms that you had, uh, you had hobos, bums, and vagrants. Oh, um, okay. Interesting. Uh, which, I mean, meant different things, but basically mm. all sort of... Uh, all sort of referred to the same sort of people on varying levels. So, like, a hobo was somebody who who traveled to work, a bum was someone who only worked when they needed to. So they'd like work for a couple of days a month and then not do it. And a vagrant was someone who'd sit around and do no work. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, so it was sort of like, yeah, you don't necessarily live in a house like all of us, but we're still going to divide you up into how much you can participate in larger society. Yeah. I wonder if that was like an, a, an internal kind of like stratification mm. or if that was like just kind of imposed by the by the culture at the time. Yeah, I mean, I didn't look into that. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a bit of both, to be honest. That's yeah. fair. But there was there was sort of uh, classification within uh, oh, absolutely. the community, wasn't there? Mm. Yeah. Uh, oh, they yeah. Had, they had like very, they had a whole organized community of these uh, migrant workers and they really stood up for themselves in terms of like, within and outside of that community so they sort of had they held meetings like yearly symposiums where they talked about you know hobo rights and how to like how to behave in the, in society in while living your life they really thought of themselves as these sort of like free people who weren't locked down to a job or to a home and they were like just moving around. They were doing their thing. Mm. They weren't going to get tied down by all the extra constraints that they didn't feel they needed. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, didn't they, I believe I read at one point that there was like a system of like elaborate laws and stuff that was, and like infrastructure. They had mm-hmm. like, I, I, there was references in a const, in a hobo constitution to hobo court punishments. Uh, yes. In the 1889 National Hobo Convention, there we go. these laws were sort of written down and they were not necessarily agreed on, but really locked into place. Mm. And these were sort of decided on by the larger community. I mean, the, it was the who's who of Hobocon 89. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you were, if you had either been in the business, I guess, for long enough, or you were 
in the know enough and connected enough to know where to go and when, then you could rock up to these symposiums and these conventions and just hang out, I guess. Anyone who's anyone on the railways is going to be there. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to a Hobocon this year? <laughs> yeah, I just got my ticket. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have my costume yet, but I'm hoping to make it myself. Yeah, I think that's kind of... That, that's the accepted approach, well, I just, honestly. I, it's the preferred. I'm mostly there, but I just need to wear a few more holes in my, uh, in my jacket. That's You're, fair. Just your trip down there will get you there. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. A lot of trains. A lot yeah. of trains. <laughs> None of them legal. Yeah, but some of, these, some of these laws are things like, don't cause problems in a train yard. Another hobo will come along who will need passage through that yard. So basically, like, behave yourself because somebody else is going to need to go here. And if you muck it up for one of us, you muck it up for all of us. Um, you know, help your fellow hobos whenever and wherever. Uh, if you present at hobo court and have testimony, give it whether for or against the accused. Mm. Um, and basically the other rules boiled down to, hey, be polite and useful in society or people will start to resent your presence. And if you find children, protect them and send them home if possible. Yeah, we um, want to be seen as trustworthy members of society. Mm. Yeah, but then, of course, you have such a big community, like a community spread over a, a large chunk of a continent um, and in traveling in trains that like at this point, I guess, probably still uh, just covered every part of what mm. we consider the United States. Um, so it's like communication among a group like that is like almost impossible. Yeah. Well, I mean, they came up with like as as... Thieves can, I guess, is this is an example of. They came up with this really elaborate and yet easy to understand system that you could pick up as long as you knew what you were looking for. Mm. Um, and Hobo Symbol is basically boiled down to either painted or carved little drawings and pictographs that they left behind either in uh, train yards, on trains, in people's houses, on fences, basically any public space or not even not even necessarily public, but like a place that you could fairly easily access as a hobo. Um, they left these little symbols around and they they meant full messages that you could pick up as you went through America. Um, you can get like a bunch of different stuff that, that show like, hey, if you go and attend a sermon at this church, you'll get a free meal afterwards. Or the woman living in this house is kind and if you tell her a sad story, she'll give you a couple of coins. <laughs> um, a cross with a smiley face was to show that there was a doctor in this house that would treat you for free. Uh, a triangle with hands meant that a man with a gun lived in this home. Uh, but a cat on the house meant that a kind lady lived there. Mm. There it's, you go. It's interesting how like complex the messages that they convey are, considering like how limited it had to be. Like it obviously mm. had to be s small in scope in some sense. I think it's really interesting that they chose like really complicated sentences and like messages and stuff. Mm. And they were like, well, we'll just keep it simple by only having a handful of them. Yeah, they basically had only the most important uh communications that you would pass to others and that's the only symbols they had there were no symbols for like hey what's up uh come get a drink with me on the weekend <laughs> all their symbols were like uh here we go a semicircle with a dot meant that the town was indifferent to hobos however a circle with two parallel lines meant get out as fast as you can because you're not welcome here huh um that is a semicircle with a dot uh, with the semicircle facing up like a u 
Mm. It's the other way down. It's authorities here are alert. So yep. there's there's a lot of inversions and stuff. It's it's very uh, it's very visual. Like if you mm. know what the good symbol is, you flip it and that's the bad symbol. So yeah. you really only have to learn half. And whatever's not quite the good one is almost definitely not a uh, like a warning. It's very much. Uh, literacy irrelevant you can learn it mm. uh, regardless of whether or not you can read and that's probably half the point yeah these these symbols are also really easy to draw um there's not then none of them are more complex than like a child's drawing of a house or like the the cat is two bubbles with some whiskers like all of this is very easy for any person to pick up and any person to understand no matter how crudely it's carved or painted which is important for i mean i guess for being able to teach it to people but it's also just important because i mean this is obviously vandalism this mm. would be a crime mm. and at, at and at the time that this sort of uh language was being used in the united states that it was like vandalism from a group in society that was at the very least like ignored like mm. at best um so you you'd have to kind of keep it really simple, even just for the for the risk of getting caught if you had to do something anything more elaborate than that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the website that I found that had a really good list of all the different symbols, uh, which seemed to be from like the nineteen thirties backwards, because uh, the nineteen thirties seemed to be when sort of like hobos stopped being a thing in America. Um, up until then, the railways were still running quite frequently they were sort of necessary to every part of American life and they were sort of the forefront of expansion across the country. But after the 1930s, they sort of died out more and more. Well, because I, th- I believe that's when they started building the first interstates in America. Yes, which America is really turned towards cars and ever since then their, <laughs> their railway system has... Uh, kind of fallen off. Oh Yeah, sometimes I hear about subway systems and I'm like, oh, wow, that's really cool. It must be so easy to get around. And then I hear about what the timetables are like and I'm like, <laughs> Translink's rough, but I can go places and get there within a 10 minute window of when I'm supposed to be on time. Yeah. Yeah. The delays in some of those, in some of those like American railway systems are absolutely. The photos that I've seen of the New York subways make me want to vomit. (laughs) (laughs) I've seen horrific things that people post online and they're like, oh yeah. Anyway, there's water coming into my carriage at this train station. And we can say these things because we have more listeners in Switzerland than we do in the States. Yay. Let's keep it that way. (laughs) To be fair, I think even Americans would agree that when you're on the train, you don't want to get wet. That's fair. Um, um, but yeah, there's a couple of pictures here of where these symbols would be used and it, often it's on like the back of outhouses and in alleyways and there's some written on the back of um, like the back of signs. Yeah. Um, it really seems to be, oh, there's one written on the pavement down here, but it's it's sort of hidden. Yes. It really seems to be anywhere that you could fit a little symbol that wouldn't necessarily get in the way of everyday life. Mm, something kind of like obvious sight line. And also somewhere where you wouldn't really have to be like sneaking around yeah. necessarily to get to. Yeah, mm. you, you're a hobo and you're walking down the street and you're keeping an eye out for things because you know that these symbols are here. And it's very easy to see just like in the in the um, like mouth of an alleyway, mm. a little circle. And yes. you're like, oh, okay, cool. Mm. I'll hang around here for a bit. It's a good place to be. Yeah, it's interesting how much every part of it is considered with all the people that will, all of the needs of the people that will use it in mind. It's so specifically tailored mm. 
mm. to like the to the group. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a great system. And if you're like looking to incorporate these more visual aspects into a game, I really suggest you search up some of these symbols. Um, because they're great examples of how to fit very complex ideas into such simp- in such simple shapes. Yeah. yeah. And it gives Absolutely. you an idea of how to constrain what you can write in Thieves mm. Cant. Because you shouldn't be able to write um, you know, Novels. King's, yeah, novels. You shouldn't be able to write King's Contract here or you know, a detailed account of uh, the local politics. You should be able to say authorities on alert or dangerous creature. Or there's work here. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of symbols, especially if you're going for like thieves can't in like specific regard to thieves. There's stuff like, hey, this house has a vicious dog. Hmm. Hey, uh, there's one here that's like three circles with some loops around them that says easy mark slash sucker. Oh, yeah. I do love that. So, like, that's very easy to loop in if you're looking to thieves from someone. Hmm. Or even, like, honestly, use it to give your players an advantage in social situations. I mean, you've got literally a symbol here that says ill-tempered man lives here. <laughs> if you're about to go and negotiate <laughs> with somebody and your, your rogue sees that outside the door... It gives you the edge because you know that they're going to be in a bad mood and you can prepare for that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually really clever. I hadn't thought about it. I hadn't thought of that. Literally just thought of it then. Yeah. <laughs> well, because I guess, I guess we always just kind of think of Thieves' Cant as being used by the rogue instead of like being used for the rogue, mm. you know? Mm. That's an interesting point. Yeah. Yeah, so that's really all I had. It's a very simple system and there's a lot of examples online about these, uh, what's essentially a, a handful of symbols that sort of cover most aspects of everyday life for someone who's on the move. Exactly. I really like that. I don't. I'm going to go cry. This is the first argument That's we've fair. ever had on the show. Uh, <laughs> show's over. Thank you for listening to no, Dungeon no, no. Deep Dive. We can keep going if this will have more ratings. Ooh. Oh. Okay, yeah, let's do a couple more episodes. If we bring in some more listeners, then we'll keep it up. But I otherwise, really otherwise, then the show is over. I think it's really powerful. Have you seen the sort of views that these arguments online can get? Hey, fuck. Hey, guys. Hey, hey, fuck. Hey, fuck you. Wow, Tully. That really hurt my feelings. And I don't like you. Uh, uh, oh, no. S- someone at this table has <laughs> a, a bad smell. Let me tell you that. Oh, no. Oh, it's and I'm Tully. right. I'm it's right Tully. I heard him it. talking about his socks earlier. Yeah, I do have smelly socks. <laughs> so, Lachlan, what do you have for us today? <laughs> um, yeah, so I wanted to kind of build off of what Grace was talking about uh, in terms of, like, constructing a, a new sort of, like, system of communication out of language and out of, like, symbols and stuff. I wanted to talk about um, kind of what really makes the the verbal part of like a thieves' camp because um, obviously, like the hobo symbols and stuff, were used by a community that spoke, uh, for the most part, the same language. And it seems, at least from the way we kind of like have records of these symbols and their usages, that. Sorry, I got really distracted. You guys were giving each other some like some weird looks. He You'll find a, out. He what. sent me a Facebook message and it just says "smelly girl." <laughs> 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 Fuck. 
That's the funniest thing I've ever heard. And I sent him back a, a, a little gif of a crying cat. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. That was really funny. Oh, fuck, smelly girl. Did fuck. that help you? Did that help you find your train of thought? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm... Yeah. So... <laughs> Smelly girl. Whew. So, yeah, but this community was all speaking English, mm. at least as far as we can gather, or if not speaking English, speaking the same language amongst themselves. Uh, nobody was creating new words or new structures or, or anything. It was just like symbols to symbols for English sentences. Mm. Whereas something like thieves can't, and you can tell even just like reading the materials about it so there is a verbal component to it there if it takes 10 minutes longer like tully would i think it says yeah it takes three times as long three to times convey. as long oh maybe 10 times i thought it was 10 long. times yeah 10 times said, as long to convey anything i said minutes instead of times mm. um but yeah yeah i think it's 10 it's uh which is a lot of time to to add to a conversation so, but there is clearly at least a verbal component. You're not like drawing symbols on each other while you talk and you just have to do it really slowly. Sounds sexy. It does. Huh. We're changing it now. You have to draw on each other. Yeah, I take that back. Draw on <laughs> each other. It takes a long time because it's, it's got to be sexy. It's got to be sexy. Okay, it's just got to be well, sexy. Okay. Well, I was thinking of that fun game you'd play with your friends when you were sitting in line in primary school where you draw pictures on each other's back and have to guess but you guys were like Ooh, what if we made what no, if no, we no, made no. it sensual well because if you did that you could you'd have to go pretty quickly for it to be a whole picture whereas you have to take a really long time so you have to really draw it uh, draw it out yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway continue with the uh, with the content so what would it sound like I was thinking. I was thinking mm. to myself. Mm. I was thinking to myself, what do thieves can't sound like? What does sound like? And it led me down this kind of rabbit hole researching like what a language is and like the linguistic equivalence to a cant. Because a cant is weird in the sense that it doesn't really divulge from the language entirely. It just mostly does. So what they do in a cant is they take essentially words from the overarching like main language mm. and they will either in like with um they like they do with like the mixing and matching of different elements of different symbols to be like well this is about the town's authorities and then the dashes and the dots mean how they feel. Yeah. Um they would do that kind of with the language that they would building from so a lot of it takes um a lot of it will take like uh visual metaphors and uh bits of like rhyming or kind of just like weird linguistic things um kind of idioms of some kind Mm. and mix them all around until they have this like vast vocabulary of like words and phrases and stuff that you can interject into Speech, or I guess if you know that you're both speaking it, just kind of say it um, for the most part. Yeah. It's because it never really exists on its own, which I think is kind of interesting. You can't just speak in a cant, you know? Um, so, and. Sorry. Yeah, a cant is always, it's associated with a, with a host language, so it kind of 
it evolves off part of it and you've got to be fluent in the original language to then learn the, the cant. Yeah, yeah. You both have to have that understanding because, I mean, most of your conversation is going to be in that original language. That's like the connecting tissue. Um, so what they would often do is that you don't really touch the grammar much of the time when you're creating like a cant mm. um, or any of the kind of like then more distinctly language-y yeah, so kind you of evolutions from the cant. and but like any of your, yeah, well, the connecting the, tissue. The interesting thing is, and yeah, maybe this is a better way to get at my, at my larger point. The interesting thing about it is there are types of languages that, work the same way cants do, where you're, like, taking things from an overarching language and you're changing the actual words that are used and the phrases that are used, but you're keeping the grammatical structures. Mm. Um, they're called uh, creoles a lot of the time, but some of them are, some of them are even more cant-like, uh, like anti-languages, they're called. Okay. Because a cant is, like I said, a series of, like, codes in one language to protect a group from observation um and cancer interesting as well because you can use them as an identifier um specifically because they can fit into the regular language uh so i mean obviously thieves can't would be a a, an example of it but uh more recently the uh the gay community in the united kingdom used elements from an old like now defunct cant from uh, parts of some somewhere in Europe, I think, and would use that as like a way of secretly communicating with each other. So you could inject a word of this cant into your conversation and either people would not notice or they were gay. Um, That's literally how I feel when I'm talking to people like under the age of 15 and they start (laughs) peppering in modern slang that I haven't quite picked up yet. And I'm like... Uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> yeah. Am I right, kids? I agree. E? <laughs> well, you, in that case, sound a lot like the United Kingdom's ratings <laughs> boards uh, <laughs> because this actually created, like, a slew of uh, homosexual mu- uh, musicians who would put, like, really overtly sexual messages <laughs> into their music and into, like, their scripts and stuff in, um, in other types of media to, uh, that would slip past the censors because either the censors don't know it or they can't admit they know it. Because um, what, What's this called out of curiosity? I need to Google it for future conversations. For, well, for, for it's reasons. not really. I don't, I don't know how much, I don't know how much use it's going to... It's so that I can write uh, historically accurate fan fiction on the train without the lady behind me noticing. Right. I'm not entirely sure how much use it will give you, but it's called Polari. P-O-L-A-R-I. It's kind of, it's got elements of Italian. Um, the, it's got elements of uh, Romani. Uh, it's got elements of uh, some old criminal cants. It's just kind of like a, mi- a, mish- a mishmash of all of the like old examples of, of those things. Ah, this is... I'd, I'd highly recommend checking out the... Uh, even just the Wikipedia article for it. In the first initial glance of the page, I'm already hooked. It is so interesting. talks about you know, the languages it came from, the core lexicon. Um, yeah, there is a lot here. Yeah, and then after, after homosexuality was decriminalised in the United Kingdom, they then... Like, those, some of those words still stick around. Uh, butch 
is one of them. Camp is oh, one of them. Wow. I'm looking at one here that I really like. Um, and the word for homosexual is bold. Imagine just like turning Ooh. to someone in the 60s and being like, are you bold? <laughs> That's really powerful. It's I really, really good. love that. I, I don't think this is where it comes from, but uh, do you know what the word for eight, the number eight is? What? Otter. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder what the connection there is. Probably um, none, but I just, I still love it. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, so the, the thing that I think is interesting and kind of the- Bevy! Bevy comes from Polari. Oh, interesting. I just like referring to butts now as dishes. <laughs> you have a lovely dish. Oh my God. Yeah, maybe we actually do need to bring it back. We definitely I, need to I'm bring get, this. I'm sorry I, I'm sorry I asked you for the name of this because I'm going to get like way off track this looking is, this at this. It's getting really into a, interesting. Getting into a Barney is getting into a fight. That's from Polari. Polari. Huh. <laughs> the more you know. Um, but so the interesting thing that kind of differentiates though uh, these languages, these like cants from something like a something more something more akin to a language as we know it um, is uh, not even necessarily in the fact that it has it's like a it's a, a new language has its entirely own things going on mm. because uh, we have many many examples of what's called a creole I might have, I don't remember if I said that earlier yeah but a creole is essentially this but taken to the point of being a new language entirely yeah um, so that's what you ha- see a lot of the um, a lot of like hybrid languages in the world uh, there's a lot of like hybrid languages between um, uh, African languages and like French and English and stuff for instance yeah. on um, that kind of have emerged from uh, shipping routes that used to be like slave trade routes. There are dialects of Aboriginal English, which are Creoles. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, another excellent example. So they can have... So, so these Creoles have been built in the same way. They're just like taking the, the overarching grammar of, the, of one of the languages and then mixing things up with kind of like a mishmash of phrases and terms and stuff. Mm. But the kind of the key differences with a can't and that is... is um, is actually more in the secrecy of it because there have been examples of what you would call a cant that was fully robust and conversational. Uh, there was an, a really old language used by... Um, used by... Sorry, I have lost it. One moment. Well, we're definitely going to cut this out. Uh, well, we're definitely going to cut this out so that Lachlan can uh, find their place. Uh, yeah, sorry. I, I think that we should really bring back this phrase. Uh, the national handbag is slang for the doll. Oh, let me just dip into the national handbag. I love that, the national handbag. Going um, down to Centrelink on the weekend to get some of the national handbag. HP, hit points, or... An effeminate gay man. It's a horny Pallone. Ooh, <laughs> hello. Homie Pallone, sorry. Homie Pallone. Oh, beans. I 
There's a there's a lot of um Oh that's what there's a lot of words here for wig and I really like the idea of like oh, modern wig? Yeah, but they turn around and they say, Oh, shackle. <laughs> oh, switch. Naff. Naff meaning awful, dull, or hetero. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Yeah, well, because uh, naff was in its original usage. Uh, I mean, a pr- pretty shitty term for someone who wouldn't sleep with you. <laughs> so it makes sense that it kind of turned into that's like fair. something that's boring. Straight people, yeah, and straight boring. people um, and boring things. Yeah, this is this is fun. Uh, gender reassignment was called remolding. Yeah. Oh, good on them. I like that's that. That's fun. Well, beans. You know what? I can't find it. But point is, there have been examples of. Uh, Cants that turn more into what you'd call an anti-language, probably more so, mm. that have been used as kind of like primary means of communication exclusively within uh, a group of uh, of uh, the, the people. Oh, One these, would guess there are some Romani populations that um, developed this in what is known as, and uh, unfortunately, the the name that historians refer to it as is a, is. Uh, it does include a slur, but it is known as Gypsy's Cant, um, which is a separate thieves' cant that evolved from uh, Romani communities um, to the point where, in specific um, groups, they would just use the cant rather than speak in uh, Romani or speak in mm. the uh, English. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's another really good example of it. I think the one that I that I was reading about earlier was like a group of people that had suffered through a similar type, I think it was like some 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 type of like institutionalized abuse or something, mm. had specifically created like a small community where they all lived. Um, and they used like this cant language to communicate with each other. So yeah, like the, the thing that the thing that really separates it from another language isn't even necessarily like how you communicate with it. Uh, it's really more this kind of like secrecy around it. This like it's built for exclusion. It's also built for hierarchy a lot of the time. The better you are at it, the kind of like more respected you are among the speakers of, especially like a thieves' cant and stuff. Yeah, um, it's a very kind of uh, it's a very um, hierarchical. It's a very defining part of the hierarchy, rather. Yeah, is how well you can speak the cant. Um, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's and, a status symbol. And the other thing, the other thing that I'll just before before I wrap up, the last thing before I wrap up is uh, the other interesting kind of difference is they there is a tendency among users of cants to uh, like overdo certain words and phrases and stuff uh, that they use. Like you'll see that uh, thieves cant has like twenty different words for for cops yeah. um, and like. 40 different words for loot. And I think um, the... Uh, yeah, I mean, they all they all have examples of it. Oh, yeah, it, more, more recently, some of the, um, like, underworld slang in... Uh, I mean, in, like, the, in the Mafia and I believe in places in Kolkata as well are used, have similar tendencies to, like, massively uh, over-exaggerate, like... The or not over exaggerate, but over have different a lot voc- of different terms over vocabularize. Yeah, that makes perhaps sense. Uh, words for like especially things like police and everything because then you have to then even if you know one of the words, you could conceivably 
still be cut out of a conversation. Yeah, so it would be maybe that this has evolved so that um, people who have picked up the one particular word no longer know it. Yeah. Um, or it could have different connotations. Like there's that urban legend of um, Inuit people having 400 words for snow, whereas it means soft snow, sleet, hail, that sort of stuff. Oh, uh, It could be like, this is a tough cop, this is a... Um, a mean cop, this is a city cop, this is a national cop, this is a, a detective. Um, well, actually, no, specifically in in these things, it's actually more akin to the way that, like, rappers talk about, um, uh, I mean, all the criminal things that are, that are talked about in rap, um, how there's always, like, new phrases and God new, like... God, we're white. Well, I mean, I was going to give examples, but there's just, like, it's just kind of... Yeah, that's a, fair. a bit of everything, really, um, and because it's it's always evolving. It's like new terminology, new slang, new phrases entirely coming out uh, in a lot, a lot. But it happens a lot. But yeah. it's it's like ever evolving, you know. And that's kind of more what it's like. It's just like a way to kind of further alienate people on the outside, like very intentionally. Uh, in fact, there was a thing that f- really frowned upon in Thieves Kent communities I was reading, like Thieves Kent speaking communities back mm. when it was in popular use. Uh, you would be kind of shunned for selling words to the cops. Oh, wow. Because you could, you could divulge that like, this is one of the words we use for cops. This is one of the words we use for blah. And that does make, even though you don't have to give away the whole thing, you're making the cops job easier. So it's kind of this like, which I think is like an interesting kind of like give and take between... Uh, like knocking and loyalty. Yeah. It's a fun little balance there. Um, I mean, obviously the thieves at the time didn't think that there was much difference between that and regular knocking, but mm. I think it's interesting. But selling a word, uh, especially one that is almost defunct, uh, is definitely different to telling them what a message means. Mm. And then it really comes up, comes down to the cop themselves. Like how good are they at being a cop Do, well, to even work out if it's like a defunct word or not. So it's kind of like, it's like this intro it's, it's this, it's similar to like the struggle between law enforcement now and uh, cyber criminals. How it's mm. like this ever evolving kind of race as one group gets better at tracking the other, the other evolves their tactics. Yeah. It's like castles and siege warfare. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so that's kind of what a cant is and what it isn't and what it almost is. Nice. Well, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, sort of the historical roots and the exact examples that uh, Thieves Camp may be based off. And then uh, we're going to take a quick break and I'll talk about some interesting homebrews that I found um, that do the job for us, that give us really cool ways to implement this as a practical feature of your games. Um, so... I guess I'll open up with the just the etymology of uh, a cant. It actually comes it comes from the Latin cantare, um, and which means to sing, uh, which, and the English chant, which is to chant, uh, and that's that's where it got built. Um, now, historically, uh, there are a couple of different cants that have existed. One of the most famous is uh, argot. Is an argot. Uh, so this is an encompassing term for a type of cant uh, is an argot, but it's also a, lang- a sort of anti-language of its own. Oh, okay. So I didn't realise that there was like a, a specific yeah, so this thing is, that that was. Um, most of them were French. The French did this a lot. Um, oh, is it, so is it just like a really... What, what is an argot? What is an argot? Um, an argot is essentially the earl- earlier version. It's just where you swap a few key words out. 
whereas a cant is a little more complete. Oh, so yeah. it really is kind of like a spectrum from... A like spectrum from, yeah, using a term to using a whole vocabulary of terms. Huh. Yeah. But um, Argot, originally derived from Lagotier, which <laughs> they were a group of thieves in France. As you, you sounded may. afraid to say that. <laughs> I, it's just been so long since I've spoken French. I mean, I wasn't going to call you out, but if it's French, wouldn't it be like Argo? Uh, no, because T-I-E-R-S. Oh, T-A. the, sp- the spelling at the end. Yeah. Um, te- yeah, technically... Uh, an argot is a distinct language. It's got distinct grammatical structure. So that's one of the things that actually distinguishes it. It does, it is a complete language. Sorry, I, I fucked that up before. Oh, so an, it's further down the chain. An argot is further down the chain. It is. It has its own grammatical structure, but it is based off words from an old, from another language, from a common language. Oh, okay. So it's like one step before the kind of like anti-language concept. Well, this is almost where it's, practical to use it even if you don't share a language because um, it is it is its own language for the group uh, it's just only for specific hmm. uses um, and this is where cants sort of started being a thing this was again the french did it a second time um, there's a common cant called velan which is um, based off the french word for invert it's l'envers uh, so you just swap the syllables you invert the syllables of l'envers and it becomes Verlon. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, now, this is, it's spoken. So, th- there's a lot of disagreement about how you actually write it, whether you write it with the actual spelling exactly swapped or if you write it phonetically. But essentially, I yeah. feel like you'd have to write it phonetically, to you be do. fair. That's, that's, that's the generally agreed term. Yeah, because um, I've, I've seen... I've seen a couple of examples written as I was doing research of it. Yeah. And the and the only people I've seen try to write it out were people who just uh, swapped the letters around. And it just, it's nothing. Yeah. That's nothing, gang. So you just spelt the word wrong. We all know what you're saying. Yeah. It's like those um, challenges you see on Facebook where it's got like the first letter of the word and the last letter of the word. And it's oh, like, yeah, if it's you can scrambled. read this, you've got... Yeah, you're in the top 95% or whatever. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but some examples of words that have been inverted uh, for v- Velan is uh, pourri, which means rotten. That was inverted to repo, which means police. <laughs> yeah. um, and sometimes the, these words were inverted twice. So uh, the word Arab, meaning Arab, um, was then inverted to beurre, uh, which then was reinverted to rebo. See, that's clever. I like that. And so... That means, Rebo, uh, it kind of, it's implied and it came into common usage as a second generation Arabic immigrant. So it was an Arab, but that was raised French. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that was sort of, it was still to discriminate, but it was like, this is a separate group, um, even though it's the same, essentially meaning the same thing. Mm, it's semantic racism. Yeah, semantic <laughs> racism. The um, best kind. They look, they look like an Arab, but if you speak French in front of them, they will call you out for being racist. Exactly. Oh, God. Um, I God, I bet that's like the that's only reason why. that this exists. It's like, hey, this person you want to discriminate against, um, they understand your language and uh, it'll be really awkward and they know what you're saying. And also probably understand the language well enough that they're going to be able to call you out when you're just like flipping some letters around in regular <laughs> ass French. Yeah. Um, but essentially these 
This was... Wait, so sorry. Do you say this was an argot? As in you could just speak messed up French exclusively? No, this, this is a cant. Although sometimes, okay. sometimes the words from Verlain were used within some argots that existed. Oh, that's interesting. So yeah. even those argots were still like conglomerations of... Yeah. Um, so usually the words for Verlain came from hidden topics. They were sex and drugs were the primary ones. Um, and it was not done on the fly. They didn't just do this... Uh, like pig Latin where you just add the syllables. Um, these were set words that were inverted a certain way every time. Oh, yeah. It's a choice. Yeah. So it was a preset vocab. It was never done on the fly. Uh, and it's actually gained a lot of popularity lately in French rap. Um, huh. One of these sort of velon uh, is called louche bon, uh, which is close to the pig Latin. Uh, you reverse it and you add a syllable. Um, and this was actually used in the Parisian resistance during Nazi occupation of, uh, of France. Good wow. on them. Really? Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's a hidden languages. It's a very useful. Man, um, people really just didn't know fucking any other languages other than their own in 1940, huh? Yeah. Because well, it's uh, all of the best, like, ways to subvert codes in World War Two. other than, obviously, the, the Germans had their enigma machine, yeah. but yeah. then, like... Then we got them. Then they cracked it. We got it. that one. Like the only things that I that I've ever heard that never got cracked during World War Two was just when someone was like, "That's adding syllables, eh?" Yeah. Did anyone just try speaking our language? Because they're racist. They probably don't know it. <laughs> yeah. Like so literally, <laughs> they just flipped it at a syllable. They're speaking Pig Latin, but because they don't know the they don't know French well enough, they just don't understand it. It was even worse uh, from the US because all they did was they got a. They just got like Navajo tribes people. Yeah, they just got And they native. were just like, hey, take this walkie talkie, talk to each other. Someone will give you messages. You just tell the other person. And they, and literally, they, it was this group, they were called Navajo Code Talkers. And they just. They just spoke talked in like their, their later, they like native language. They just, yeah, yeah, they just spoke their native tongue and nobody knew it. Not even the people that they were working with because everyone was too racist Actually, to learn. I seem to remember, I can't. I'll have to verify this later, but I seem to remember hearing a similar story in Australia. Um, oh, really? Yeah, of using uh, Indigenous Australian, uh, essentially, code talkers. Um, and because nobody bothered to learn any of the languages. Um, crazy. Yeah. Anyway, um, so other variants of this sort of process, like gibberish and pig Latin, may have been used for purposes of subversion, but it appears... Historically, that it's mostly just for comedic effect. Hmm. Um, they were never used as much to that standard. Um, but that kind of brings us to Thieves' Cant, which was a specific cant. Um, it, it was known as Peddler's French or Pelting Speech. And it was very regional. Um, it was almost completely different from region to region in England. Um, but it was codified and it was something that was spoken regularly. Uh, it was still being used in English prisons in 2009 and quite possibly is still being used now. Oh, I mean, variations, definitely. Yeah. I would be absolutely shocked. I mean, we not necessarily in English-speaking places, but we have examples of, like, the kind of spiritual descendants of Thieves' Cant being mm. used in pretty much every criminal underworld yeah. everywhere. Um, now, there was a lot of cross-pollination but between, as I mentioned earlier, Anglo-Romani populations and um, the popula and um, Thieves' Cant-speaking populations. 
because um, there was a lot of trading of stolen goods, things like that, uh, the Romani merchants would often buy things off people who were willing to hock it off to whoever would buy it. That makes sense. Um, and yes, they were they were distinct. Um, uh, yeah, Gypsies Cant, as it's as it was was known, was distinct from Thieves Cant, um, but it, they did take influences from each other. Um, the Romani variation was um, far more robust, though. Mm, yeah, it, it, yeah, it was that, it was much closer to. Uh, It was much closer to an argot than it was mm. uh, a cant. Mm. Um, but so for Thieves Cant, I've got some examples here of some of my favourite ones. Um, now, we went through this last time we recorded this with some audio issues, but let's see if you remember. Uh, Ken or uh, what is it? Ken. Ken. Um, like a house? We've got it. And what is a bowsing Ken? Uh like a pub? It's the fi- it's the final. It's a pub. It's an ale alehouse. Yes, it's the final, final boss in Mario. Final level. Um, <laughs> so, what is a, a mort? Gra- graveyard, maybe, probably, right? Church it's a woman. Oh. <laughs> um. Here, here's a cool one. So these, uh, these sort of sorts of things were always to do with forbidden topics. So, um, what is priggers of prances? Oh, oh! I just saw this one as well. Um. Don't check your notes. For more context, there's another related term, priggers of cacklers. So priggers of prancers and priggers of cacklers. Oh, my God. I have, I have no idea. Uh, I it's horse thieves and chicken thieves. <laughs> oh, that's Priggers fun. of prancers being horse thieves yeah. and priggers of cacklers being chicken thieves. Um, <laughs> so what about to draw the king's picture? Uh, spend money? Steal Almost. money? To counterfeit money. To counterfeit money. Because the king's on the notes. Yep, so to draw the king's picture is to fake, to, to create fake money. Um, a chunk of gin is a diamond. Berry wine is a sapphire. What about a vowel? What's a vowel? Um, A-E-I-O-U. Somet- sometimes Y. It really depends on the word. Like an I-O-U? It's an I-O-U. It's a debt. Yeah, yeah, thanks for the answer, Lachlan. You're welcome. Um, I couldn't remember what it was. For full disclosure, like Tilly said, we did record this. We even had audio it was issues like a month ago. Um, and I didn't remember what it was. I do remember, I did remember that I just said the vowels and we ended up getting there. So I was like, yep, give it good. another shot. And yeah, sure enough. Yeah, this is, this is like a pop quiz at the end of semester. Like, yeah. Yeah, this is our memory skills less than our sort of like guessing skills. Because yeah. to be fair, I also didn't work it out last time. Um, and then we've got uh, sort of lo- lully priggers, people who steal clothes off clotheslines, and uh, frumagemed, my favourite one, frumagemed, which means either hanged or strangled. Well, sometimes you just be frumagemed. Yep. That's fair. Um, so, yeah, essentially this is an example. It, it just telling you a little more about the specific languages or the specific cants that appeared and... Basically saying, hey, you replace a few words that don't have to be completely distinct from their meaning. They just have to be distinct enough that somebody can't understand you in passing. Yeah, there has to be enough levels of, enough levels of abstraction. Uh, and I think, I think an, another interesting thing just to kind of uh, really hit on is that like, these are languages uh, built out of fear more than anything. Because mm. it's like, sure, there is like a, a stratification among the community and there is uh, an element of like exclusion to a lot of them. But you can tell, I mean, even as Tolly was talking about it, the ones that like, as you slowly go through history and you go from like early examples of like French people just fucking around and then to like the 
the absolute just like absurdity of like a thieves cant or uh, one of the remining cants or something like that. It just like it becomes more and more robust as like the community is more and more like afraid of the people around them. Yeah. Because then it has to become not only secret but strategic, which is really interesting. Yeah. Um, and from there, what we might do is go on a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll talk about two of two of the homebrews that I discovered while we were uh, working on this, and how they make it really easy to implement. Sounds. So, I mean, it sounds good to me. I'm in. That's not the thing. I thought I'd loaded the thing, but apparently not. Hang on. That can be our new sound now. There we are. Ah, a classic. I kind of miss the whir. Like yeah, I don't know what's going on with the sound, but anyway, um, that was that was our break. Uh, <laughs> Why? What? Yeah, I mean, I'm well rested. Mm. I had a whole sleep. We're I'm gonna we're gonna pretend that we stopped there. I um, was gonna go have a Milky Way. I was gonna go have a Milky Way on the break. Okay, you should have. We I'll were gone for eight hours. A, I'll take us on a break, and we'll go on a break. <laughs> And we're back from our break that we took. Yes. Hello, everyone. Grace has had time to eat her Milky Way. So if you hear any food noises, that is a crime punishable by death. This is our ASMR channel now. Um, so what I've got, I've sent you guys both links to these two things so that we can run through them. But um, I'm running off two different uh, homebrews. One of them is influenced by the other. So the original is a Reddit post on the uh, D&D Behind the Screen uh, subreddit by Dread, Cle- Dread Cleric Wesley. Um, so Dread Cleric Wesley, you've done a great job in uh, creating this. And essentially, it's just about ways to include something that doesn't need a translation book so much. As long as you know the basics of what's going on, you can understand that somebody speaking thieves can't and uh, how they do it. Mm-hmm. So, the first thing that they do, uh, sorry, and the second one is a homebrew by Dale Kingsmill, um, otherwise goes by Monarchs Factory on uh, YouTube, Instagram, that sort of stuff. She is a fantastic content creator. Uh, if you check out her videos, um, and she's uh, an Australian as well. Uh, love to see some Australian D and D content creators. Um, so, looking at this, the Dread Cleric Wesley. Well, the first thing that they talk about is greetings. Now, one of the cool things about the greetings that they use... Hey, wait a second, Tolly. Hey, Grace, can you say something? Hi. Oh, for a second, I'm I, th- here. I thought you turned Grace all the way down. Because Grace, Grace is normally at mic two, and Grace is now at mic three, and I forgot that that was mic <laughs> three, and I was like, did you mute Grace? I was... Never mind. Anyway, it's 11.27, so... My, uh, I had my speaking rights revoked. <laughs> I really did want... To try and like get out before twelve thirty, let's let's go for it. We can do it. I believe in us. Um, mm. So, the way that we've worked this out, uh, that that they've worked this out, is with the greeting. Um, the greeting actually identifies who you are. So, if you start out start out with "Yo ho" as your greeting, then you're from the Pirates Guild. Um, mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. But uh, well, aren't you a piece of work? 
That's for fences. That's to indicate that you're willing to sell stolen goods. Uh, my favourite on this list is you got some fried potatoes to go with that beefcake, which, <laughs> which, by the way, refers only to male cheap cons and hustlers. Mm-hmm. Mm, my beefcake. You know. Beefcake. Um, <laughs> I do quite like the greeting for pickpockets, which is um, you, it's literally just any verbal greeting, and you give them a great big bear hug, and then s- move something in their pockets to another pocket, mm-hmm. um, which is a really cool way to indicate that you're a pickpocket. Oh um, yeah, and doesn't it have um, like uh, what was it called? Like handkerchief code rules to it, where it's like wherever you put it and whatever you moved, to, like changes the. I believe it might be. I think I think it's like a way of giving messages. Here, I'm, I'll take a look. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the greeting actually indicates who you are. Um, I'm just going to breeze through this because if you want to check it out, I'd highly recommend just looking at the posts from the original authors. Uh, it's really worth your time. I can guarantee it. Um, so the next thing they do up, uh, it's sort of a codified converse, fake conversation that tells you a message. And it's all about employment as an underworld professional. So the next thing you talk about is nostalgia. And this is talking about the urgency of the job that is being offered. So if you say something like, haven't seen you in six months or so, give them a long time frame, means it's not urgent. It's an optional thing. You don't need it that much. But the, the longer that you get to... So if you give it a close time frame, it's not urgent. But the longer you get, say, like... Seems like you left a lifetime ago. That's extremely urgent. Uh, feels like forever. It is not optional. You have to do this and you have to do it now. Um, and, it's, and it's, again, it's one of those things where it's like that seems unintuitive until you remember that this, is, that this has to be a language built on strategically obs- obfuscating information. So it's like while it being a short time, would um, you'd immediately think, well, that's going to be urgent. You then think, well, if you're going to lie to people, if you want to confuse people, obviously you just flip that. Yeah. And then, then like kind of you see like where the, like where it even, where it still is intuitive. Yeah. Um, then you get into sort of the relation code. So basically this is when you're talking about, you know, when you're pretending to reminisce, you talk about uh, somebody's cousin, it means your peer in the guild. Um, or if you talk about their uncle, that's a government official. Um, if you're talking about uh, sort of uh, the stepmother, so the, if you're talking about the mother or the father, uh, that is the superior. So your superior in the guild. Um, or great uncle being a monarch or a sovereign. Um, even down to referring to pets, puppies and kittens, that's the the character's actual family. That's usually to do with threats. Oh, okay. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and then there's examples of uh, tones. So if you say something like, uh, oh, sorry to hear about your grandmother's passing. It was a great tragedy. That's a hostile tone. That's to say your guild master is threatening to kill you if you fuck this up. Um, whereas... Um, yeah, remember that time we shaved your stepmother's chihuahua? That was funny. We were awful kids. Um, that's a member of an official of a rival guild. So stepmother, that's mother of a rival guild. Um, that's, yeah. So the official of that guild, that asking for your help. And when because you're being friendly about it, you're reminiscing about a lovely story. They're making peace um, or they're being you know quite friendly. It's, it reads very well. Hmm. Uh, and then there's uh, little things you can pepper into the chit-chat 
to talk about various things. Like a birthday is an assassination, which means a birthday party is a multiple assassination. <laughs> number of candles is the number of targets. Um, party planner is an inside informant. Um, there's all sorts of different stuff. Uh, basically, this is about giving the rough details in pretending to talk about stuff. My favorite, my favorite on this list mm-hmm. is party like it's 999. Uh, which means no, <laughs> no survivors, survivors. Yeah. which I think is so good. Yeah, um, I, I do love it. You've got to be careful though, because once uh, when I, I used to do uh, children's parties at a bowling alley, <laughs> oh, uh-huh. no. um, yeah. once I, I did misunderstand, I, 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 and look, those, those parents weren't happy. But they understood. Well, look, I mean, they sent them to a party planner. I don't know why, like, I was going to teach the kids bowling. Like, I was clearly going to misunderstand. I don't know <laughs> what they, I don't know what they expected of me. Yeah. Um, but then there's, like, there's all sorts of stuff. Most of it's pretty intuitive. Thanks, Tully. <laughs> Most of it's pretty intuitive. If you talk about the greenhouse, you're talking about a bank robbery. Um, if you're talking about uh, a dowry, that's payoff money. You know, there, these are things that... Pretty easily, if you realize this is Thieves' Cant, you can kind of decode them with not too much issue. And so you don't necessarily have your rogue flipping through a handbook to translate. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to say user-friendly in a way that um, you kind of have to lose a little bit of historical accuracy, I suppose, with, with this, just to make it, like, functional. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, finally, you've got to accept or decline the job. So... If you talk about uh, meeting up somewhere at the birthday party or at the ale run, then if you say you're gonna you're gonna be there, then you're taking the job. If you say you need to figure out if you can make it, you need some more details. Um, it's really intuitive, but mm. to the outside listener, you're just talking about a party. Jeez, lighten up. Yeah, I like how it kind of flows in terms of the actual like topic of conversation. <laughs> Um, I think that's really that's a really clever kind of feature of it. Oh, also, yeah. I, f- I worked out the thing that I was thinking of. It's just from the other home. <laughs> the okay. thing I was thinking of was the ring thing. Ah, uh, excellent. This is a good one. Uh, let's let's go straight into that. There's, this is from the Dale's, Dale Kingsmill homebrew. Mm-hmm. She does a great video talking about why she figured this out. Oh, really? Um, yeah, let's and it is, actually in, it is actually it is actually in reference to the Dread Cleric Wesley one, um, but she's taken it a lot further, talking about. Um, identifying yourself. So, as Lachlan mentioned, uh, there's a ring thing. So, essentially, you put two bands over a specific part of your body and you're identifying that you are a such-and-such looking for work. So, if you put a double band on your right ear, so, like, a double earring or something like that, you're saying you're a con artist. Uh, A double band around your neck as a choker, uh, you're an assassin. Um, If you're a fence, you put it on your uh, right wrist... Um, if you are a, you know, there's a bunch of stuff on which finger you put it in. Uh, if you're into stalking, two on your anklet. Um, it's just ways to recognize it. And you can pretty easily say, um, this person has, uh, you know, various bits of costume jewelry, you know, fine necklace, uh, two, you know, two ringed earrings on their left ear, and your rogue's ears, if you have primed them well, will just prick up. They'll go, oh, this is somebody I need to talk to. Yeah, or they'll be or they'll be talking to someone and they'll be like, oh, can I roll to see if they have this? Yeah, Like, exactly. if they're suspicious of someone, you might not even have to mention it if they're, like, keeping an eye out for it. Yeah, honestly, well, my recommendation would be specifically for these, because I think this is probably one of the more uh, immediately useful parts of, like, these Thieves Can homebrews. Mm. Just kind of, like, more 
general utility. Uh, I would, I'll, in fact, I probably actually will put together like a diagram of like mm. like a person, and then just like put like you could put just like a letter. I don't know exactly. Uh, put an A on the neck, so you or know assassin. that like there's an assassin if the bands are there. Yeah. Uh, and the other really cool thing that she's put together is a thing called Lay of the Land, which is using a card game to find out more details about a job um, or about the area. So if you're talking about the job, then it's likely going to be using a similar system to the Dread Cleric Wesley homebrew. Um, but this is also for finding a place in an unfamiliar town. And it's using the suits of the cards um, that they give you as a response to questions you ask. And the idea behind this is it looks like you're having a friendly conversation with some and betting with somebody and losing. But instead, you're passing them money for information. And if you ask about the cops, they can tell you, you know, that the cops are absolutely lovely and to be trusted in this town. And if they play a club, clubs mean the location or individual mentioned is well protected or heavily guarded. So you ask about the cops. Oh, yeah, lovely. Play the card that means there are lots of cops in this city. Be careful. Um, If they play hearts, it means uh, they provide a measure of safety for rogues. Um, So if you talk about you know, the local merchant and, and ask how they are, what are their prices like? You, they play a heart. It means they'll probably buy stolen goods. Um, and it's things like that, just ways of covertly giving you a message while to the casual observer saying something completely different. Mm. And there's a good note here in the in the homebrew that says like if you're, which which I think is worth, worth pointing out because it's talking about how if your rogue is like too overt about it, they're probably going to, shut the game down even mm. if like even if you are properly using all the secret code and stuff like if you're if you're making it clear that you're asking them questions for money then like that's it game game's over yeah so you've got to hide this in conversation yeah it's yeah but um yeah look the, that's that's the highlights reel of those two homebrews that being said if you are putting this in your game i would highly recommend getting together with your rogue um, and just talking about how complex or how simple you want it to be and pick apart your favorite bits of these homebrews and stitch them together the way you want because that's what homebrew is for. And honestly, you can't really go wrong as long as you and your rogue agree that it's user-friendly and the other guys don't know what it means. Yeah, I mean, because it doesn't even necessarily have to be these specific things. Like, it, you could use, like, any of these rules to, as people often do, mm. create a whole... Create like a sort of cant that better suits you and your way of speaking and like your rogue's way of speaking as well. Exactly. Make it more about monster hunting. Make it more about uh, socials. Um, Yeah. Yeah. All of these are supposed to be tailored to the users. So tailor it to the users. Exactly. Um, And that's been us for another week. Uh, If you'd like to get in contact. That's it. That was your one. That was your one. So you... (laughs) Don't... so, so you say. If you'd like to get in contact with us, we're available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Dungeon Deep Dive, or you can email us at deepdivetnc at gmail.com. We would love to hear what you've done with what we've uh, talked about. We would love to hear uh, if you have used our stuff and uh, how you used it. And hey, if you hadn't, fucking send us an email. Tell us why. Because I'm, I'm pissed about it. I mean, frankly, I'm pissed about it. I mean, if it, if it helps you feel better, uh, we use our stuff. That's it's true. Good. Yeah, we do. We I followed do. my own advice and it was good. Mostly good. Mm, uh, yeah. You know. I stand by most of the things I've said. <laughs> um, 
And uh, yeah, that's us for another week. Tune in next week where we talk about another very cool topic. Uh, until then. <laughs> Bye. Ooh. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.